Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the 106th episode of the 1871 podcast. And as it's our 106th episode, we thought what we'd do is look back on Reading's record-breaking 106 season. And I think this was Johnny's idea. So thanks, Johnny. Uh, I do come up with some occasionally. Yeah, I can't remember, but we were... Coming, we were sort of thinking, what what should we do for the hundredth episode? What should we do for the the one hundred and six episode? And it was kind of an easy easy decision, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. So, um, that's what we'll be talking about on tonight's episode. And then on Sunday, it's the fortieth anniversary of the announcement <clears throat> of the proposed merger with Oxford United. So, what we're going to do on Sunday's episode, we'll discuss what happened back in April nineteen eighty three and how the merger was blocked. And that episode will be available anytime from 10am on Sunday. Um, so on tonight's episode, uh, 106 1871 podcast episode, our focus, as I said, is on the 106 season. And um, we have also got a prize to give away. So we've got a, a little competition. We've got a prize to give away. So the prize is a copy of the Reading Between the Lines book. Um, and that is a book about Reading's first season in the Premier League, uh, which was written by my brother, Stuart Roach, uh, another Reading fan. Um, so we're giving away a copy of that book and it will be signed by Dave Kitson. Um, so what you, what you need to do, um, I think Becky's going to be entering that one, uh, one of our fans tonight. <laughs> so um, to be in with a chance of winning a copy of that book signed by Dave Kitson, just send us a direct message on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Um, and as I say, send a direct message rather than just post it because then you might give away the answer. Um, so send us a direct message on Twitter, Instagram or on Facebook and what you can do is you can look in any of the Reading fan groups in Facebook. We we very often post on there. So I, I post on there, um, Mark Roach. And you can um, send me a message on Facebook if you want to, or Twitter, 
or Instagram at 1871podcast. So the question is, to be in with a chance of winning a copy of that book signed by Dave Kitson, um, can you tell us who Reading's top scorer was in the 106 season? So that's a question to win a copy of the Reading Between the Lines book about Reading's first season in the Premier League, which is signed by Dave Kitson. Just send us a direct message on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook and tell us who was Reading's top scorer in the 106 season. So that's our prize to sort of um, uh, commemorate the, the 106 season, even though the book's about the following season in the Premier League, but it's signed by Dave, Dave Kitson. So, um, and that's what we're going to be talking about on tonight's episode, the 106 season. And we're joined by, by our 1871 podcast co-host and also now BBC Radio Barcher's go-to person <laughs> on major events at Reading FC. It's Johnny Hunt. Hello, Johnny. Hi, everyone. How are you? Thanks for that, Mark. That's quite entertaining. That's okay. So you, you've been a, you started to become a regular on BBC Radio Barcher, haven't you, Johnny? Talking about the points deduction, Paul Ince getting sacked, etc. So um, I'm expecting more of the more of the same. And, no uh, pressure. And, and and you've been giving us a a couple of nice plugs for the 1871 podcast. So well done for that. And we're also joined by three Reading fans who will be talking about their memories of the 106 season. So a warm welcome to Phil Warner, Becky Mullaney. Is it Becky? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so welcome to Becky and also welcome to John Keane. And thank you to all three of you for, for joining us. Um, and a, a couple of you with with your Reading shirts on as well, so that that's great. So, um, and also just to let you know, we've recently had Steve Coppel and Marcus Hanneman on as guests. Uh, they they were talking about the one hundred and six season, and those episodes are still available to listen to, um, or you can watch them on YouTube. So, let's get started uh, talking about the one hundred and six season in two thousand and five, two thousand and six undoubtedly one of the greatest seasons in Reading's history and arguably the greatest ever season in Reading's history. Um, but let's start, before we talk about your memories of that season, let's talk about Burnley. Are they going to break the record? Um, I'll start. My answer is really simple. No, Reading might stop them tomorrow. Um, but let, let's let's sort of come to you. So firstly, Johnny, what do you think? It's a no from me as well. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, Phil, how about you? Yeah, I'm a little bit worried. I, I think they've still got they've still got to play what three of the bottom six or something something like that. Um, yeah, I guess those teams will be fighting for their lives, though, won't they? So I'm going to say no, just. Okay. Well, look, I, I think um, so. My opinion, and I'm going to ask you, Becky and John, as well. Um, my opinion is that. Uh, they've got six games left. They can get, I think it's 108 points. They've got 90 at the moment, so they can get to 108. And they've got to win all six games, including tomorrow's game against Reading, by the way, um, to beat the record. If they draw you know, any of those six games, they can only equal the record. And if they lose one of those games or draw two, then they can't break, break the record. So um, fingers crossed. Uh, I don't think they're going to do it. But, um, Becky, come to you now. What do you think? Um, no, no. I, I think, again, like, I'm hoping Reading will win, you know, because we don't want to lose 
you know that points record it, it, things are bad enough as it is and <laughs> you know it would be great to, to hopefully get a win and like you say they've got a lot of struggling teams that they're playing against two that are fighting uh, to stay up so I, as as good as they're playing I can't see them winning all six well I think they've won um Sorry, they they've played the the last four away games. They've drawn two of those games, and and they they drew nil nil with Blackpool last month. So yeah, I I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to. I think they might win kind of three or four of their their last six games, but um, I, I don't think they'll be breaking the record. And and come to you, John. Now, what what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not going to say absolutely they're not going to, but I think once they've clinched the championship, it's inevitable the motivation is going to die down a bit. The the records like this are for the fans rather than the players, so they'll they'll go down a notch. It, it may not be us that stops them, unfortunately, but I think somebody will. Well, the other thing is, I think they, you know, we've we've also got a chance tomorrow of stop them stopping them clinching the championship because I think. It's something like if they <clears throat> they beat Reading tomorrow and Sheffield United don't win and they're playing Cardiff, I think, tomorrow, um, then they would clinch the championship. So it'd be nice to stop them doing that. And and look, it'd be nice if Reading got a point or all three points anyway, as as we know. So never mind the record. Let's uh let's get some let's get at least a point to tomorrow. That that'd be good. So look, let's um Let's talk about our memories of the the one hundred and six season. You know what what a season! I think uh, as myself and and Johnny and I know John and um, you know I I don't know yet Phil and Becky how long you've been fans, but I do do want to ask you about that. But going back and and myself and Johnny remembering, you know the the Reading the record breaking roars in the eighties, the Mark McGee team in the nineties. you know we've got our favourite teams, but I mean, who whoever saw that coming to to win the championship like that and to to break the record? But um, in terms of introductions, let let's start with you, John. Um, just, just sort of tell us a little bit about yourself as a Reading fan, how far you go back as a Reading fan, all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I was a, a a glory hunter when we were going up from the fourth division in 1976. I, I came along for a, a one-all draw when we were third in the table playing Lincoln, who were running away with it. Um, and um, I just <laughs> kept going basically from there. So there were some depressing times in the late 70s, early 80s. But it's um, just the, the, as you say, who would have thought of it? The It's the sort of season that you, you don't even imagine would be possible ever. Yeah, and 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 Becky, how about you? How long have you been a Reading fan for? Um, well, I actually I've, I've followed them pretty much my whole life. Um, I was actually brought up in Swindon. Um, no. The season I remember, the season that I only used to live around the corner from the county ground, and I just remember getting quite a lot of abuse <laughs> from locals at the time. You know, going getting the train to 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 Reading to to watch on the terraces of Elm Park um and yeah what a difference you know looking back at 106 points how Swindon were then and even now so yeah I followed him for a long time (laughs) and Becky the the uh the obvious question is if you were if you grew up next to Swindon's ground how come you became a Reading fan uh my family are all from Reading so I'm the only one that was born in Swindon (laughs) Uh, good choice, good choice. <laughs> so, Phil, coming to you now, how, how about you? How, how long did you go back as a Reading fan? 
Uh, I kind of just missed the Simod, unfortunately. I was a little bit too young. So um, I kind of from about from about 88, 89, I went along with my dad um, sort of sporadically. And then when I was old enough to go into running on my own on the train uh, when I was 15, uh, I got a season ticket um, and I've had one since then. So since since 95, basically. Yeah. Um and let's uh, let, let's sort of take ourselves back in in a time machine to to the start of the 106 season now and um the previous season Reading had finished 7th in in the championship and uh, that that was a t- two or three years after that Jamie Curriton goal wasn't it um coming up getting promotion at, on the last day against Brentford um you know fantastic time to be a Reading fan that season and then moving forward, we, we've just finished seventh. Just wanted to ask you, Johnny, what were your expectations at the start of the the 106 season? Obviously, we didn't know it was <laughs> going to be called that at that, that point, of course. But um, at the start of the 2005-2006 season, having finished seventh the previous season, what were you kind of expecting, hoping for, that sort, sort of thing? Yeah, well, I was living in Australia at the time, so... I remember watching the oh, following the first game, the Plymouth game. I was actually following the Ashes, 2005 Ashes at the same time. And England were doing well in that. And then the game, I was following the game, it was like 2-1. It was like, oh, oh here we go again. <laughs> Another season of hope gone down the toilet after one game. Um, but I didn't, I think realistically, I was like, after, you know, Vince would be there or thereabouts. I'd hope for maybe a playoff place, you know, around the top eight. Because we'd had a decent kind of squad, and we've been sort of around that, um, you know, for a few seasons. But I didn't have any hope or expectation that what will happen happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to come to Becky now because Becky's uh, kindly joined us on a work break, so Becky's time's limited. So, kind of want to give you the floor a little bit now, Becky. Obviously, at the start of every season, I think every fan is optimistic, yeah. um, and as Johnny said. You know, that first game didn't go well. But before the start of the season, having finished seventh the previous season, what were your hopes and expectations for, for that 2005-2006 um, season? Um, I was sort of expecting playoffs at best, to be honest. I was never expecting us to do that well. And like I said, at the start of the season, that loss to Plymouth. Um, I remember I was doing my A-levels at the time. Um, and I actually moved again. <laughs> I then moved to Nottingham. So I, I had a lot of Forest fans. And I think, I could be wrong, but I think they were in League One at the time. Um, and yeah, so a lot of difference. Um, but no, I wasn't expecting us to do that well. But obviously when we started picking up the wins, yeah, it, it was just great. Um, you know, Becky, you're going to tell us next that you, you've also lived in Oxford all the time. <laughs> no, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> Thankfully not. <laughs> but, but Becky, I know you're limited in in time, but I, I'm going to try to do this in, in order, really. Um, right. So I'll come to, come to you, Phil, next. How about you? How about your expectations for the 2005-06 season? Um, I pretty much the same as Becky, playoff at best, but wasn't really sure. We'd lost a few, certainly in the attack, we'd lost quite a few players. We lost Forster and Awusu and we weren't quite sure 
about some of the players that had come in yet, were we? Because they were fairly unknown. So, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure, basically. Um, and John, same same question to you, really. Um, yeah, really, I, I was more interested in the second half of the season because for the four or five years beforehand, we'd we'd always done really well. We're, we're really in contention Christmas, January, and then then just faded away. So so I, I hope that we'd actually carry it on through. So I, I was thinking in contention or around the playoffs, but um, just I'm slightly worried about the, the lack of players and the fact that we were signing unknown teenagers from Cork City. Yeah, and this is a common theme for Reading fans over the years, isn't it? And uh, you, you refer back to the the seventies and and the ups and downs, and you know it wasn't just in the seventies. There's been ups and downs all, all the way through as as Reading fans, um, obviously including relegations and the you know the Simog Cup season. Um, you mentioned that Phil and um, Reading got relegated that season, didn't they? So. Um, it, there, there has been, it's fair to say, ups and downs, but plenty of ups. And this is one of one of the you know the greatest seasons in Reading's history. And and Becky, conscious that that you haven't got too long with us now, I'll just sort of um, ask you if you can to recall, you know, your 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 memories and and how you were feeling as the season progressed. And and then when did you think, oh, actually, it might not just be playoffs. We we might actually go up automatically. Um, what what were your thoughts about that? Um, yeah, just like you say, the more games we were winning, I'm like, can this actually happen? Like, I can't believe it. And then I just kept, there was a bit of like, not negativity, but there was just a bit of doubt in my mind that we're just going to slip up towards the end. Um, but then obviously we didn't. And then where I just remember going Leicester away and getting that one or draw um, and Clinch in promotion, and then obviously you have the five nil uh, win at home to Derby. Uh, so yeah, it was amazing. Like especially as well living in a place like Nottingham, where you know for- Nottingham Forest fans like to you know think that that they were uh, one of the top teams. Yeah, so. Yeah, so you had uh, you had plenty of bragging rights that that yeah. in, in general. Did you? <laughs> um, and Becky, just just to to ask you because you've I think you've only got a few minutes left before yeah. you need to get back to work. So thanks ever so much for joining us. Thank uh, you. you know, what asked about your thoughts before the start of the season, but you know that that first game. I think Johnny mentioned it earlier. Um, obviously, you know, can you imagine that? We were going to go on and do what we did after that first game. What what were your thoughts? You know that that first game of the season. It's it's a defeat. Is it almost, you know, um, not that much optimism at that point about what we could achieve that season? I guess the first game of the season, you just never know really because it's the first game, so anyone could lose the first game. But yeah, I would never have expected yeah. to get promoted on record points. Um, losing the first game in the season, but I wasn't like particularly optimistic as doing as well as we did. But I, I wasn't thinking that we'd um, struggle though. No. Yeah, uh, and just to say, Johnny's on childcare duty today, so I think we can uh, we can hear Johnny's daughter in the background. There you go. So what's your daughter's name, Johnny? Edie Rose. And, and how old's Edie, Edie Rose? Three. Three. Uh, um, yeah. 
So look, we we've got to say goodbye to Becky. Becky's got to get back to work. Thank you for for joining us, Becky. And uh, see you, Becky. Wear your Reading shirt for the rest of the day at work. I'm allowed. I work from home on a Friday, so oh, it's okay. fair enough. <laughs> well, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining us, Becky. Great, great to speak to you. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye. Uh, and so we've come back to um, uh, to Johnny, to Phil. Uh, to John and and maybe even Edie Rose has got something to say. <laughs> um, so, Phil, come to you now. Uh, after that first game, obviously things started to Im- improve. Um, let, let's let's look back at the first few games of of that season. So, um, I got uh, got some some notes here in in front of me and. You know, as, as the season pr- progressed, obviously, you know, we had the, the defeat um, and um, it was obviously at home to, to Plymouth. Um, and I think uh, Leroy Lita scored, didn't he? Uh, got got the equaliser in the second half. Um, and I think, was it Luke Chadwick who got the winner for Plymouth? Does that... Is, was it Luke Ch- Chadwick? Johnny, can you remember? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, he got a last-minute winner, didn't he? Yeah. So, um, but then we went to Brighton. Uh, we had two away games, uh, Brighton away, Preston away, and we won 2-0 and we won 3-0. So, Phil, coming to you now, after those first two wins of the season, both away, uh, both clean sheets and, you know, five goals across those two games, Um and you had uh, Glenn Little, Dave Kitson scored the two goals at Brighton. And then um, Leroy Lita got two goals. Glenn Little scored again against Preston. Um, what were you feeling then? Were you were you sort of feeling quite optimistic that this could be a good season? Yeah, definitely. Um, it, after that defeat, as you say, it was really important that we, we bounced back with something. And then two two wins for two clean sheets, particularly to go to Preston. I think um, they're both big wins, but I think at Preston were sort of almost, always sort of there, thereabouts for the playoffs themselves at the time. Um, so that was that was brilliant. And obviously for Leroy Lita to, to get a couple more goals, did he score on the first day? I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, he scored, um, scored the equaliser against Plymouth in, in the second half on the first uh, first day. So for sort of him to get two more on the board as well as, as the new signing, um, yeah, things are looking good. Yeah, um, John, same same question to you. Really, after those those two away wins, what what were you thinking about the rest of the season? Um, at that point? To be honest, at, at that Plymouth game, I, I came away from from that thinking, how in God's name did we lose that? Because we we deserved to win and to win comfortably. So I I was fairly optimistic. Um, and then Preston away, I I was thinking hang on, there's something special about to happen here um, because it, that was a sort of coordinated, fast-flowing performance that you didn't expect from Reading. And, and it, it just it was just something different. And I, I had the first inklings that, that there might be something special. I mean, Glenn Little scored with a header, for instance. Yeah. But it was just, you know, uh, clearly something was was about to happen. I, I, I definitely thought that at the time. Was it, do you think that was something to do with um, a bit of momentum building and a bit of belief building? Because like like you say, yes, it was a, a defeat. I mean, the you know, the statistics show that Reading lost their first game, but 
Um, there were some some good signs, really, although it was at, at home and it was a defeat and it was the first game and everyone's feeling a bit deflated. Actually, there were some encouraging signs, weren't they? And, and Leroy Lita scored in the first game and it was a was a late late goal. Obviously, you know, Reading fans have experienced that on many occasions and uh, the last game, very similar. Uh, but it, it was kind of different back then, wasn't it? There, there was some optimistic signs, even in that first game, I think. John. That yes, was definitely. And the, um, I mean, sorry, the, uh, the Brighton game as well. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to um, throw in a cheeky plug if I can, because I I don't know if that shows. Oh, it's, there we go. So um, the book I wrote about this, this season and the following two seasons, um, I, I was lucky enough to, to get to interview some of the people involved. And, and Wally Downs was a revelation, for instance. And, and he, he said that, before the Brighton match, Steve Koppel just just left them with the team, um, and him and Kevin Dillon really laid the law down on how important it was to bounce back from Plymouth. So I, I think they, it was expletive led, but yeah. the the team really got it in the neck at that point. And I and I think we've got to at this point. It, it's probably uh, quite a good point to mention, you know, Alan Pardew and Martin Allen as well, because it was mm. kind of it was similar. They they sort of. Um, they laid the foundations, if you like, for Steve Koppel and Wally Downs. And you had that contrast with Steve Koppel, you know, very calm. Wally Downs, you know, had that punch up with Neil Warnock, didn't he? And um, those sort of combinations quite often work quite well and obviously worked mm. really, really well that season. But, but John, I just want to, you know, come back to you. You, you mentioned about your book there. Um, so tell us about a, a little bit about the book. How can people buy it? Um, and, and, of course, yes. Yeah. So, so it's it's the sum of the parts, the evolution of the perfect team. Um, it's it's basically available on Amazon and and um, all good booksellers. Um, they're good booksellers because they stock it, and there there probably aren't that many. But and Amazon is the best bet. Basically, I um, I wrote it for the tenth anniversary of this season. Um, when I realised that there were Reading fans who hadn't been there. And it, it was such a fantastic time. I wanted to capture not just what, what had happened and how it had happened, but what it was like to be a fan there. So I've got a variety of, of fans giving their memories of, of various points of the season. And it's called The, the Sum of some of the, the Parts. The, the Sum of the Parts, yes. Yeah. If, um, I, if I hold it in front of me, that should be readable. Yeah, so you can, you can if that. you're watching on YouTube, you can see that. Um, if, if you're not, then you can't. But it's called The Sum of the Parts, and that's available on Amazon. And it's about, uh, is it about just that season? Um, no, it, it's basically, it, it starts off by, as you said, about um, Alan Pardew and, and also John Medeski and, and the, the foundations. Then it, it deals in, in detail with what happened um, in that. Uh, 106 season and then the following two seasons so so really it, it could be entitled the rise and fall of reading yeah and and i think what you know that's what we're we're discussing here really and and it's mm. for uh i never well i don't think i ever saw robin friday play I'm, I'm not sure if i ever saw steve death play i might have done because i did go to some reading games back in those days but i didn't sort of really become a proper Reading fan until the mid 80s but it's always great to hear those stories about players like that and um you know Johnny those two players I've just mentioned Johnny's two all-time favorite 
Reading players I, I know and um you know I didn't didn't really get to see them but it's fascinating to hear the the stories. So like you say, a lot of Reading fans do remember the one oh six season, but um some of course weren't even born back then. It was a long time ago. what we're talking seventeen years ago, isn't it, the one oh six season season now. Um, and the, the the scary thing is it's twenty five years since we left Elm Park. Yes, <laughs> a quarter of a century. Anyway, you're making us all feel a bit old now. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I imagine that uh, not not so much Phil and Johnny, but uh, certainly certainly myself and you, John. We we go back a bit further than, mm. than Johnny, I think, don't we? So um, look, come to you, Phil. Now, those, those two away games, and and then you know, following on from that, back at home. So we've gone two nil away to Brighton. Uh, two nil, sorry, three nil away to Preston, and then twentieth uh, of August two thousand and five, Reading against Millwall at the uh, Medeski Stadium, as it was called back then. Um, five nil, Bobby Convey put Reading one nil up, um, and then Millwall had a player sent off, so uh, Reading playing for the the rest of the game after twenty three minutes uh, against ten men. Bobby Convey scored again, and then James Harper, Dave Kitts, and Steve Sidwell. So there's a pattern emerging here at this stage where you've got Leroy Leeter's got three goals. Um, Dave Kitson scored against Brighton. Glenn Little scored against Brighton and Preston. And then you've got Bobby Convey, um, Harper, and Sidwell also on target. 5 0 against Millwall. Okay, it was, you know, against 10 men for a lot of the game. But by that stage, Phil. Uh, you must have been feeling pretty confident that this could be a good season for Reading. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, um, before we sort of start mentioning specific games, that Millwall game for me, was that was the one where I really sat up and thought, hang on, this is, this is better than last year and the year before. Um, I think, was, it, was that Bobby Collins' goal? Was that the one way around sort of half the pitch? And, and I, that was that was amazing. I remember that moment um, specifically. But yeah, it was sort of from then. And, and like you say, the spread of goals. I think I think I had a look earlier. I think it was about that midfield four, the the four regular starters, got twenty nine goals between them in, in all competitions. And that that's just unheard of, isn't it? Just from just from the midfield. So um, you, you kind of knew teams that do well normally spread the goals about. Um, and we, and we were doing that. Yeah, and, and Johnny, coming to you now, because um, obviously you had the Arsenal Invincibles and, and, and Reading didn't achieve that, but it was only you know only one more defeat after the first game of the season. So Reading, from, um, after the 6th of August until, until the defeat at Luton on the 17th of February, Reading were unbeaten. Um <laughs> What kind of really made you think that actually we could be going up this season, Johnny? I think the first thing was, well, then all games were start, but when Doyle scored against Burnley, you know, and it's like, who's this lad? And he just he just took to it straight away. I don't know if it wasn't his debut, but I think it was, you know, one of his first couple of games. Um, he came in because Kitson was injured, like they were saying, one player got injured, the other one's coming in. Yeah. And then it was just like, it was like a, a roller, a steamroller, didn't it? So you just get you get going. Oh, it's this game. They win again, win again, and you know went to some tough, tough places as well. Just going through them reminded me of some of the games. Palace game, um, I think where it was we were we were losing, come back and win every time they were put under a, a challenge. 
they responded. You know, late late equaliser in a couple of games. I think later on in the season, um, I think they went. I remember because again, you know, living over in Oz, a lot of the games went on telly. But the ones that were I was in Scruffy Murphy's, the pub in Sydney, about four in the morning. With a few of the Reading fans over there watching, um, and I remember the the Wolves game. Um, I think got a bit lucky, but over the Christmas period we won, um, and he just. It was amazing, just amazing to see our club doing what they were doing. And, it, you know, Sheffield United, I think, we, you know, we were fighting out with them for a long time in that season where we were top second and it was, you know, quite close. But then we just kept pulling away. Um, that's what Edie Rose thinks. Yeah, you know, that's how I think. <laughs> um, yeah, going to come to you now. For, oh, sorry, Johnny, did you not finish there? <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, come to Phil now. Um, Phil, obviously, we went on that long unbeaten run after the first game of the season, and the first win were, was away at, at Brighton, and then you know we beat them uh, just before Christmas at home, five-one. Um, player sent uh, Brighton had a player sent off in in that game in the in the second half, but Dave Kitson got a hat trick in that game. Um, I think it was Noel Hunt got the other goal for Reading. And like Johnny was saying, uh, you, you had all these players. You had Dave Kitson, Lita, uh, Kevin Doyle and, and the midfield chipping in as well. Um, and when it sort of gets to December and you, you're winning, I think we won something like um, 11 games in a row or something like that, 11, 12 games in a row. You know, you're we're at the top end of the table by then. You're thinking we've got a really good chance of of actually going up automatically at that point, I guess. Yes, so definitely. Um, and actually, I was, I was. it seems strange to be worried about uh, losing a game at this point, but um, it probably wouldn't have made a massive impact, but it might have done. So I was thinking about the New Year's Eve uh, game against Darwin, when we were 2-1 down. I wasn't at that game, but I remember being away and just having the, the score, the video printer on or whatever it was at the time, and just sort of really hoping for a goal. And then, Shane Long's name came up and you thought, wow, you know, um, so it's good for him, but good, good for us. Cause who knows if we'd have lost that game, you know, I, I don't see the season going completely pear shaped, but I could have knocked a bit of confidence, um, out some of the players. I don't know. We, we might have been fine, but it just kept the momentum going, didn't it? And how important that, that goal was for, for us and for Shane Long as well. Yeah, and I think it was. I've just been, as you're talking there, I've been counting them up. And and after we drew um, in in October, we drew at home to Leeds one all. And then I think it was ten games in a row after that. And you mentioned that derby game, but there was uh, five one at home to Brighton, five one at home to Cardiff, four nil at home to Norwich, um, and then we won in February. We won four three against Crew. And um, and John, just coming back to you now. When did you think that this is looking really good for for Reading to to go up? Because we're not even kind of talking about points records at the, this point. But um, it it was by this stage you're thinking Reading are, are favourites to go up automatically. Yeah, I mean it, it's strange because as Johnny mentioned, we were head to head with Sheffield United, and we didn't go top until I think it was last week of October first week in November something like that and then they faded slightly and we we put our foot on the gas but but um for me the crucial game was Wolves away on Boxing Day 
I, I remember the, um, OK, Christmas is out the way. We always have a good first half of the season. Now, now second half of the season, winter's here. This is the time for banana skins. And everybody went there thinking this was a crunch match. And, and Wolves fans were, were uh, Wolves were doing quite well. They were giving it the, the big one. And we went there and it was just a phenomenal performance. And, and that, that dribble and, and goal from Glenn Little is still something that lives in the memory so that that was really the when they they proved the doubters and 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 I thought okay this it's going to happen this year yeah and, and look if you go back to uh, the end of November 2005 um a couple of away games at Ipswich and, and Plymouth uh, 3-0 at Ipswich 2-0 at Plymouth 3-0 at home to Luton 5-1 at home to Brighton 2-0 away to Millwall 2-0 away to Wolves 2-0 home to Leicester. Um, and, and then we drew that that game against Derby. And then you had a 5-1 win against Cardiff, 4-0 against Norwich at the end of January. Um, and um, Phil, coming back to you now, I mean, wh- when did you think this is going to happen? We're going to go up automatically? It's sort of natural not to ever think that as a radio fan, I think, until you're, you're literally there. Um I think probably for me, looking at that, um, if, if I can go just into February, uh, that, that draw at Sheffield United, just because they were the main challenges and, and not, not losing there, um, for me kind of, yeah, I, I remember I'd had an operation on my knee and I was, my friend had to drive because I, I was on crutches. I remember everyone standing up and celebrating when we equalised and I had to, I had to sort of sit there with my crutches in the air trying to join in. But I think, yeah, probably from about then, I thought actually this could this could actually happen. But even then, as a Reading fan, you think oh, I could lose all of them now, couldn't I? Still, yeah. And you you know that Sheffield United game, um, Dave Kitson got the the two early goals, so Sheffield United scored first, and then Dave Kitson um, got the equaliser early in the first half, um, and and that was you know that was Reading unbeaten from. Uh, after the first game of the season and, and now we're into mid-February and, and Reading are winning most of the games and they're unbeaten. And then you have that that game against Luton. Kevin Doyle put us in front in the first minute and then he, he scored again uh, right at the end, but it was a 3-2 defeat uh, against uh, away to Luton. Um, but then we bounced back, a couple of wins um, at the end of February and then into March. So we won 2-1 at home to Preston and then 3-0 away to Burnley. Um, and I think by that stage, Johnny, come back to you now. When when did you think this is going to happen? We're going to go up automatically. Uh, I think when we got the draw of the uh, Leicester, the Reading fan, that's us, isn't it? We never actually get too carried away. I remember watching the Luton game with some friends, and that was on live over in Oz. And I was like, yeah, come on, watch the team. And then we lose, I was going, that's typical. <laughs> but it was like, you know, you, you kind of didn't panic because you knew that they bounced back and they've ch- every challenge, the team was just unreal. And I think one of the iconic ones was Glenn Little's goal against Plymouth. I mean, that was just sublime, wasn't it, as a, you know, as a finish. Um, and it was just, it was just amazing to see you know, even in that Sheffield United game, I think we could have won. I think Kitson missed a penalty in the draw away, I think, didn't he? Um, so, you know, we could have had even more than 106 points. But uh, it was it was just, I used to see, you know, as a family, you know, you just kept going, oh, we, every challenge we've dealt with, 
and and you know taking it on and we're still improving and the, the gap you know we was definitely going to get promoted then it was like all right when are we going to be champions you know and that was just kind of counting it down um you know as the gap was getting wider i can't remember the exact points difference between us and third but you know for a long way you're kind of going we really must have to literally completely stuff this up to go promoted yeah and um John, I want to come back to you now because um, you go into March and I don't, I don't know if you remember back to the season where the, the Jamie Curitan goal at Brentford took us up in, yep. into what is now the championship. Um, I think Reading had a, a load of draws, didn't they? Couldn't, couldn't seem to oh, win yeah. the game. Yep. And, and this was sort of a mini version of that because we won 3-0 away to Burnley at the beginning of March and then uh, and then it was a couple of draws in a row, nil-nil home to Watford, one all home to Wolves. And then you had that game at, at Leicester. Um, and what do you remember about that game? Because we were we were losing one nil, um, you know, on the brink of on the brink of getting promoted to the, the Premier League. And then Kevin Doyle scores a, a late goal uh, at the yep. Yeah, what, yeah, what, what were the sort of feelings and the thoughts and the emotions? I mean, know, to time? be honest, I, I know a few people who didn't bother to go to that game because it, it was only a, a particular set of results that would see us go up that day. Um, so people were thinking it's not going to happen now. It's going to be a week or so later. But but I went for it. And it was it was just, you know, one of those memories that that lives with you forever. That that day was just just really special the um I, I think people knew it was going to happen one day or another so it didn't matter if it was going to happen that day but the fact that it it was it, it looked like it wasn't just wasn't going to happen and then then we had that that header from the corner and it was just amazing and the, there's just so many memories the that you know give us the blank results while we were waiting to hear and then coming over the tannoy congratulations reading on your promotion uh, steve Coppel running across and and throwing his coat into the crowd and but it's, it's a measure of the man that he asked Ron Grant for permission if he could throw his coat before he did yeah. um and just um I mean I've got one particular memory that I've got that that sums it up for me I'm, after the match and we'd been there for an hour or so because Leicester were just brilliant in in their hospitality and letting us celebrate as long as we like we parked in a slightly dodgy part of town we were walking back a, across a bridge over the the river or the canal and and up ahead we saw a gang of about 12 i mean scrotes basically the you know the young teenagers that clearly out for trouble and and we were all in high spirits in the hoops and and we were walking along and just as we got to them they stood in in two ranks and applauded us through and i thought my God, this is just something quite amazing. Yeah, fantastic. And, and, and Phil, how about you? Your your memories of of that game. But were you were you there? Did you go to that game? Yeah, I, I did. Like like John was saying, we I kind of tried to work it out a few weeks in advance, kind of when we might do it. And so, based on my calculation, I thought we'd do it at Leicester. Weirdly, I don't know how I worked that out because we drew the two games before. Mm. Um, but. So some friends of mine didn't get tickets because they left it too late. Um, but yeah, like John said, it was that it was that way at the end. We knew we we'd got a point, but it was that way for the results. Um, most of the Leicester fans had gone. I know some stayed and sort of applauded, but um, it was that way. Do we get excited? It's strange because we knew we we were basically going to do it at some point, but um, 
And then when it came through, it's just because I think Carlos Sarva was involved as well, wasn't he? One of the results that that um, John will know more, you guys will know more than me probably. But um, yeah, it was amazing. And, and just on on the way out, I remember my phone going berserk with friends, text messages from friends, you know, who supported bigger clubs, kind of saying welcome to the Premier League, and we'll see you next season. That's just so surreal. Um, unfortunately, I had to drive that day, so I, I couldn't get a drink till I got home. But um, but yeah, it's great, brilliant. Well, Johnny, come come back to you now, and um, you know what? I, I, were you watching that game in Australia? Did you get to see it, or were you were you back in England by then? No, or? I was I was I was, I was still living. Over there. I, I was listening. I think it was called Reading World on the old audio thing about four o'clock in the morning. I think in my house where I was, and you know we were one nil down, and I was going, oh, "Come on, please, not now!" And then then we. When Doyle scored, it was just, you know, I think probably woke up half the Sydney at uh, that time because I got excited, as you do, as running fan. Um, and then, yeah, like, that was just unbelievable. You know, the bit early to start celebrating, but, you know, for, later on that day, I certainly uh, enjoyed celebrations with our massive, about four running fans that were living in Sydney at the time. <laughs> so the, the the Sydney Reading fan club, was it? Was it? Absolutely. So, so look, Johnny... Um, you know, we're talking about the 106 season and the record, but of course, the main thing about that season was it was promotion to the Premier League for the first time in the club's history. When when you kind of think about the enormity of that, what that means, and you know what Sir John Medeski did, and Roger Smee before him, and Alan Pardew, and you know all, all those people that helped us to get there, and finally, um you know, Steve Copper has taken us up into the Premier Division with players like Kevin Doyle, who've been signed from Cork City and and, and all that sort of thing. What, what did that mean to you as a Reading fan to be, we're now confirmed we're in the Premier League? I think it's you know, special for me because none of my family had ever seen us get that high before. You know, my dad, bless before he passed, and my granddad, you know, we were a lower league team and sometimes a very poor one. So for me, it was like huge. It was just it was like, wow, we're there. And I, I don't think, you know, the reality is for the other lads, like you kind of go, geez, we're in the big time. Um, you know, little old Reading, because that's what we're good, you know, little Reading that, you know, nobody expected ever to get there, to be honest. And to get there, not by luck or by scraping in in the playoffs, but to actually go out and absolutely nail the league on top of it and get the points record. It was like, what the heck? You know, no nobody in football would have guessed that, let alone Reading fans. You know, and that that was that was unbelievable, and it just it just was a special special time. Even though I, mean, I, I made it to the last game of the season, but I think for everyone that was involved at the club, whether you entered the games or not, it was just the most enjoyable moment I think up to then that you've ever had as a fan. And, and John, coming back to you now, because this is the first time that you're going to see Reading play in the Premier League. You've seen them play you know, going back to the 70s in, in every division apart from the Premier League and it's finally happened. How did how did that make you feel as a Reading fan? 
I mean, to be honest, it, it took weeks to get my head around it. It was absolute sheer disbelief. This it was something that you you didn't think would happen. And and to be honest, right up until the QPR match, I was convinced that something was going to sabotage it. I mean, we, we've had the pandemic now, and it didn't stop the matches. But but at the time, there was the threat of a bird flu on the horizon. I was I was thinking, okay, they're they're going to get to one match before the end. There's going to be a bird flu epidemic, and that they'll scrap the league. That was yeah. I, I was convinced something like that was going to come up and and screw it but but I mean really the I'll sum it up with the words I said a a year later walking away from the Blackburn match at the end of the first Premier League season where um, I I was thinking we might as well stop watching now it's never going to get any better than this you know that was the absolute high point it was just that that those two seasons together were just indescribable you you could never have predicted them. Yeah, and, and and Phil asked you the same question, really. You know what it meant to you, obviously, as a Reading fan. I think <clears throat> since the the late, you know, end of the eighties, early nineties. Um, obviously, we had that great team under Mark McGee. We had the the team with the Jamie Curiton goal. You know, Alan Pardew, what what he did, um, and now and now this. You know, we're finally in the Premier League. What what did that mean to you? Yeah, there's, there's definitely a, a tear in my eyes at, at, at Leicester, um, which in some ways is a bit embarrassing, but it's it's a culmination of years of sort of hope and worry and, and, and you know, just just longing to see that, you know, your local, your home team in, in the Premier League. And after 95, when we lost at Wembley, I think most of us probably thought that's the nearest we were going to get, um, especially after two, three years after that, it just went sort of downhill, didn't it? Um, yeah, just surreal. I think, like like John was saying, it probably wasn't until the fixture list came out or the, or the sticker albums came out, you know, and you start, started thinking, we're, we're amongst these big names now and we and we belong there. And we, we proved that we belong there the next season, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and, and Johnny, i come back to you now and you, you, you would forgive Reading for taking their foot off the gas. We're in the Premier League now. Let's go and celebrate. But... You know, the next two games, um, we scored 10 goals, you know, 5-0 at home to Derby, 5-2 away to Cardiff. Uh, and we've got 100 points and there's still, sorry, 98 points, I think, at that point, And there's still four games to go. You know, we can get to 100 points. We might be able to break the record. We're, you know, we're going to go up as champions. But, you know, those next two games, 10 goals, I mean... It, it wasn't, it sort of carried on, didn't it? It was the elation of going up to the Premier League, but it didn't stop that just that juggernaut kept going, didn't it? Against Derby, yeah. against Cardiff. And okay, we we uh, we drew against Leeds, but then we finally got the, the 100 points. Um, and then coming to the, coming to the end of the season. So the, the last, the last few games um, that got us to 103 points, um before the final game of the season so uh we beat after the Leicester game we beat Derby at home 5-0 we beat Cardiff 5-2 away we drew one all at Leeds uh, and then we beat Stoke 3-1 at home drew one all against Sheffield Wednesday and then we get to that last game of the season um did you get back for that game Johnny yeah no that was that was that was when it all cost I had to get back I had to see them that season and um 
probably still paying for it now, but it was, uh, you know, to be there, to be part of that celebration, I've, you know, I've still got a, the shirt signed in, in your wardrobe and um, spare, one of my best mates, Rob, that I've been going with for a long time, we, you know, we went together and um, that day, I don't think for anyone, was just an amazing celebration and the day, the next day, yeah, the day, there was a game, I think, wasn't there? A Legends game, I think, on the Sunday um, at the ground. Um and you know the way the way the day panned out, you know, um, Bertie's penalty just really put the icing on the cake, didn't it, to, for the fans, and not maybe not so much for Kingsley blessing, but um, it was it was just it was just a big celebration, probably the biggest celebration we've had as Reading fans. That you just go wow. And then I remember the next day I was stayed at the hotel, and then the next morning all the players were coming down, um, probably about as worse where as we were, um, but. You know, they were, and you got to meet them all, and, you know, say well done. I, and wearing Graham Murray's medal, he's letting you know things like that. You know, at the time, it showed you how much the club meant to us, to them, to everyone that was involved. It was like a big family, and and that was um, ah, like geez, I start crying now because you know it was it was huge. It was a huge thing for us. Well, we've done it, and yeah. we're there, and nobody can go. Oh, you were lucky. Oh, you didn't deserve it. All, and no excuses. We were the best, and we destroyed everyone. And that was that. And we're gonna we're gonna milk it, and we're gonna enjoy it for everything. Yeah, because you don't know what's to come in the Premier League the, the next season. So obviously, it was a magnificent magnificent season. But you, the main thing is to, to stay up, and we did so much more than that. But yeah. but you said it there, Johnny. I mean, Reading one hundred and six points. 16 points ahead against ahead of um, Sheffield United, who, who finished on 90. And, um, you know, we were, in, in terms of automatic promotion, Reading obviously finished on 106 points. The third place team, Watford, um, who got promoted in the, the playoffs, they finished on 81. So, you know, we're miles in front. We're 16 points ahead of the second place team, Sheffield United. Uh, and, and by the way, in case anyone's wondering why I haven't been talking too much about this, I, I was similar to Johnny. I wasn't in Australia, but I was out in Dubai. So it was quite difficult. And I, I think I, I just wanted to sort of get Johnny's view to get the view of a, a few fans, just really to sum up what it meant, because obviously it was fantastic. And I was out there in Dubai and a bit like um, I think, Phil, you were saying, I have my chart of, you know, how many how many points do we need to guarantee promotion? And I was updating it every every single game, you know, Reading's games, the other games. And and I I wasn't convinced. And for me, it was all about going up and the rest of it was just a, a, a fantastic bonus. Um, but yeah, I, I was doing my, you know, Sheffield United can get this much, Watford can get this much. And then gradually Reading were getting closer and closer. And then it's finally, we've we've done it. And then for me, you know, the title is a bonus. The 106, the record is a bonus. Just getting 100 points w- would have been a bonus. But for me, it was all about going up to the Premier League. Um, and coming back to you now, John, um, when you sort of take time to reflect on that season not only have we gone up to the Premier League, not only have we we won the title and, you know, we finished 16 points ahead of the second-place team, not only did did we get break the 100-point barrier, but we broke the record. And like Johnny was saying, we we 
just we were miles better than anyone else. As a Reading fan, do you go? Um, I'm not sure I can quite believe that that happened. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's so much about that season, that, the second half especially, that was just perfect. One, one of the things I really love is the, the way we clinched promotion in the championship. So promotion was away at Leicester. So so the hardcore away fans got to witness that. And then in front of a packed crowd at home to Derby the next week, we clinched the championship. So so everybody got a celebration. Um, and the, it wasn't just what we did. It was the way we did it that, that I really love as well. So, I mean, the the back four, um, I've got the, my stats here, um, got seven yellow cards between them all season. Not not one red card for the whole for the whole team that season. It was just not, you know, we we did things in the right way. We didn't kick people. There was no gamesmanship. We just we um, did it Steve Copple's way. You know, he, he's such a, a general, I say, generally perfect, nice man who does things the right way with, with him and Mertz as his captain playing the game the same way. He, again, he's a thoroughly decent chap. It was just that translated to the whole team. So it, it's the style we did it in, not just what we did that, that I really like. Yeah. And Phil, how about you? When you, when you look back on that season and what we achieved, you, you know, what, what do you, what do you think when you sort of look back on that season? And I guess you do that on a fairly regular basis, do you? Yeah, it's, um, we've only got certain things to look back on, haven't we, as a Reading fan? So, <laughs> um, certain sort of brilliant things to look back on. But, um, yeah, the word perfect, I think, was used earlier by somebody. It's just, um, it, it was the, as close to perfect a season and a team as you could get at, at this level, certainly. Um, and that's why we've got, at the moment, uh, the record. I into a Burnley fan being interviewed yesterday um, and he, just the way he was talking it, it kind of reminded me of how we felt you know and how I think knowing that they're coming to watch they're coming to Reading tomorrow it, it made me feel the dread that most teams must have felt that season when we were coming to them um, it was weird having that feeling but um, yeah I don't know if we'll ever repeat it right? we, we, we won't will we we'll never have that season again well Johnny uh, come to you now um what do you think it was? What what was the key to success? Was there one thing in particular, or was it combination of elements that contributed to that success? You know, players, management, because it wasn't just we didn't just get promotion. It was a, a magical season, wasn't it? And what what was the key to all of that? Do you think? I think it was it was the whole leadership from the top down, from Sir John Majewski down through you know, the management. The background staff, you know, the, the, you know, we had John Fern on here, um, Ron Grant, you know, it's the unsung heroes. It was that whole team. Everyone was in it together. You know, we talked about the fringe players, you know, like the Bruno Ganassen, John Oster, John Halls. Um, you know, everyone chipped in. In you know, you didn't hear players complain. You didn't hear players, you know, giving out because they were part of a successful team, and everyone went out there and did what they job was um you know they enjoyed playing and it, you know the, the happiness was there in the squad um and obviously you know to back that up the fans you know the, the attitude and just just dug it out of me old there you go not washed in 17 years <laughs> well, but it's still there still there the signatures are holding it together so that's one of my proudest things I've ever have, have had and uh you know 
that yeah like that was just you know it does it, it does make you emotional now because i think wow it's still you know for all those people that we've spoken to as well mark you know how much it means to them still you know they've gone on to other careers elsewhere or done other things but for steve for brian is you know scouting and all the players that you know they, they, they loved it and they loved the club and that means a lot as a fan that people still think a lot about our club even though yeah, they've moved on and you're right, and we we had Marcus Hanneman recently, and and that uh, that episode's still available. Same with the the Steve Koppel episode, and um, Brian McDermott as well, and and we've had Kevin Doyle, Eva Oringer, Martin, Graham Murty, Ibrahim Asonko. Um, all of those. The first series was was audio only, but you can still find all of those. Second series is is on YouTube as well. So the Steve Koppel episode, the Brian McDermott episode, the Marcus Hanneman episode. They're available to watch on on YouTube as well if you want to have a look at those. Uh, and when we were talking to Marcus, I really enjoyed that that conversation because it was about him as a person and 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 the impact, the positive impact it had on him as a person in his life, not not just football wise. And he said towards the end of that, didn't he? He said, "I'm I'm feeling emotional remembering my time at, at Reading." And this was Marcus Hanneman, and you think he's this you know, um, strong goalkeeper who shouts a lot. Um, but actually he was saying that this is, this is making me a bit emotional kind of talking about it and remembering it and all that sort of thing. And, and, and John, is it, you know, all, all the kind of experiences that, that you've had over the years as a Reading fan, um, where, where does the, the 106 season rank for you? Absolutely top. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I thought, it's never ever going to get as as good as it has now. You know, all, you, we could never have possibly in our wildest dreams imagined that would happen. And the the script that was written would would have been laughed at if you'd submitted it anywhere. It was just just perfect. Um, but talking about the uh, the background, I mean, it it infected everybody. Um, the there was the the royals' families, if you remember that, which was the the wives and girlfriends doing so much charity work. It it just just overtook everybody with the same feelings of of goodwill, and 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 part of it was that everybody was united. Um, I mean, I, again, when I was writing the book, um, I interviewed the performance management consultants Catalyst, who who I think met, played uh, such a major part in it, and and they said that they'd instilled the same attitude across the the whole club. And one of the examples that they they used was they they go to the 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 guy who opened the the gate at the training ground that was his job he was a gatekeeper and and as far as he was concerned his job was to help Reading get in the Premier League everybody in the whole club was completely united behind the same aim no no egos no no jealousies just everybody working together it was just never to be repeated yeah, and um, Phil, come to you now. What what do you think was the secret to the success that season? Oh, that's a big one. Um, there's a bit of everything, isn't there? I mean, the recruitment. I mean, because some of the players there were brought in by by um, Pardew, weren't they? Murty was there from Tommy Burns. Um, Topple added his own. You had the scouting system that obviously helped. It, um, it was kind of a lot of things all coming together at the right time. And, and you look at a lot of those players that, they, well, none of the players really went on to have a better um, career anywhere else, did they? Some of the players had good seasons in the Premier League, 
but nobody really peaked. So I don't think as much as they did those couple of years at Reading. So there was something about the club, about everything at the time that just, just, um, it just worked, didn't it? Yeah, and, and we haven't really talked um, too much about individual players, and I and I think that's probably because you know we had some brilliant players like the the goals, um, Lita, Kitson, and, and Doyle, and Shane Long as well, um, Marcus Hanneman in goal, um, and you know I think we had Graham Stack, didn't we as as well, and um, I think at least one of the guests that we've had on one of the I think it might have even been Marcus or. Um, Steve Koppel said that, you know, people like Graham Stack had an influence on, on the team. But if you look at the players, you know, from from the back line, Nicky Shorey, Graham Murty, Ira Ingemarsson, Ibrahim Osonko, Steve Sidwell and and all the guys in, in midfield and then that sort of front three and and, and four with, with Shane Long as well, they all contributed. It was very much a team effort. It was, the, That team was full of stars but it worked because it was a, a team. I mean, Johnny, who do you think there were standout players in that season or was it everyone, really? I think it was everyone. I, mean, I think one thing as well, we were lucky with injuries. You know, we didn't really have, you know, players out for a long, long time. You know, I think, you know, Kitson's out for a while, maybe, or, you know, the, the strikers kind of... But it didn't impact on the team because we had the depth. And then even then we had Shane Long coming in Nobody expected, you know, to be probably playing first in football at that stage that season. Um, and I, I, you know, I they were all heroes. I think everyone that played for that team, I, I you, you couldn't put one above the other. You know, yeah, you, you know, because they all did what they did. The defense was unbelievable. The midfield was unbelievable. The attack was unbelievable. We had brilliant wingers. We had backup wingers with Bastard Brignard came in and did a job wherever he was asked. And and they, they were all leaders. And, you know, now you're looking at our team these days and going, geez, I wish we had three of those leaders, let alone 11, 15 that we had at that time. You know, and that's what they were. They they motivated each other to, to and, you know, obviously Steve Koppel did what he did, but on the pitch, you know, when when they needed, you know, there's a couple of guys in there. The Leeds game, Stephen Hunt equalised in the eighth, fifth minute. You know, they were asked a question, they find an answer, you know, and they found that answer between themselves, you know, and that's what the yeah. beauty of that team was. And you've you mentioned it earlier that this all came from the top. So John Medeski, um has the overall kind of credit for for what happened because players come and go, and and obviously all of these players who played in that season and the following season in the Premier League will forever be legends. Steve or Brian McDermott will forever be legends, but let's let's not forget the importance of Sir John Medeski. Um, and I think for all of it, he's probably the one person you'd pick out as as being key to Reading's success, really, in in that season, the following season, um, and just the way he kind of built the club on solid foundations, did things in in the inverted commas the right way. Um, I, I think if you had to pick out one person, you'd probably say Sir John Medeski, wouldn't you, Johnny? As a leader, without him, we wouldn't have done it. You know, without his vision or the way that, you know, the, getting the new stadium as it was back then, you know, the things were done, you know, it's called the Reading way, wasn't it? He said, that it was, you know, we didn't spend, you know, when we spent a million pound on Liga Elite, everyone's going, <laughs> that's a bit crazy for us. 
Um, and that was a big signing for us, wasn't it? You know, money-wise. But it worked. Um, he trusted Steve Koppel. He trusted, you know, that's the thing. I think that in those days, he let the football guys do the football stuff. He'd do the finance stuff. He'd, you know, he'd back what they were saying because they had that trust between Steve Koppel, Brian McDermott, him. You know, they were a team. So they they, they believed in each other, you know. Um, again, sadly, some that we don't seem to have a lot of at the minute, but that's what made it special. But he led it, you know, he was the top man. Yeah, all right. Well, we've we've talked about that. That's flown by, but obviously we had a lot of uh, good stuff to talk about there. And just want to say thank you. Thank you, Johnny, the voice of the 1871 podcast and, and now BBC Radio Berkshire as well. Um, thanks for joining us. Thank you to our, our three guests as, as well. Um, thank you to, to you for joining us. So that's it for tonight's episode, our recollections of the 106 season for our 106th episode. Um, just coming back to you now, John, uh, just tell us about your book, what it's called and how people can buy it. OK, it's the sum of the parts, um, the evolution of the perfect team. It basically is um, recollections from fans who were there, an analysis of, of what what happened and how and why, um, and also interviews with lots of people who were involved. I mean, Nick Hammond in particular, who's not really been mentioned um, recently. He... Yeah seems to have been airbrushed out of history but he he was so instrumental in everything he gave so much of his time it's available from amazon and um various bookshops around they can always order it in if they haven't got it in stock um and um it's it's really my my love letter to to reading football club and these years it's it covers the the build-up to the 106 season and that and the two premier league seasons yeah, okay. Well, thank you, John. Thank you, Phil. And and thank you to Becky for joining us earlier as well. So that's it for tonight's episode. And a reminder that on Sunday, it's our special 40th anniversary episode, looking back on the proposed merger with Oxford United in 1983. So that's available anytime from 10am on Sunday. And talking of books, don't forget that we've got a prize to give away. We've got a copy of the Reading Between the Lines book, and that's about Reading's first season in the Premier League. Um, so we're giving that away as a prize. And it's signed by Dave Kitson. And to be in with a chance of winning, just send us a direct message on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. So um, if you're contacting us on Facebook, just look out for our posts in any of the Reading Facebook groups and then send me a direct message. Um, or you can send a direct message on Twitter or Instagram at 1871podcast. And the question is, who was Reading's top scorer in the 106 season? So if you're interested in winning a copy of that book, Reading Between the Lines, about Reading's first season in the Premier League, and it's signed by Dave Kitson, then just tell us, uh, get in touch and tell us who was Reading's top scorer in the 106 season. So, Listen, um, that's our recollections of the 106 season. Thank you to Johnny. Thank you to our guests. And we'll be back on Sunday um, talking about the 40th anniversary of the proposed merger with Oxford United. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.